It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Joshua, the first chapter. Joshua, the first chapter. Now, you remember about three weeks ago, I preached a sermon out of Joshua, and it was entitled, Strength for the Battle. And the reason that I preached that sermon was because in our society today, there are many misunderstandings, there's many mistakes and mix-ups and misinterpretations, misconstruction, misapprehensions surrounding the Christian life. And all you have to do to confirm that is take a trip to the local bookstore and you will see this accusation is true because after all the shelves are lined and filled with the books that talk about how to make the Christian life easier and more acceptable, the truth of the matter is it's not a walk in the park. This thing that we got into when we were saved is a battle, and the devil is on full blast. So in that sermon, that first sermon that I preached on Joshua, I told you that we are engaged in warfare with a spiritual enemy who is far more powerful than we are. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. Because the truth of the matter is that in our own strength, we're no match for the devil. But the good news is, is that he doesn't have the power that our God has. That's why 1 John 4, 4 tells us, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Therefore, in the midst of these battles, there is always hope for victory. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are the recipients of victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are engaged in in battle with the devil, when we are engaged in spiritual warfare, there is the expectation that we not only can, but will walk in victory in our lives. And for me, this is what the book of Joshua represents. Now, in this book, we find that uh, the we find that Moses, the great leader of Israel has died, and a new leader named Joshua has been appointed to lead the nation of Israel into Canaan. And this is after 40 years of wandering in the in the wilderness. Israel is about to take possession of the land in which God has promised to Abraham centuries ago. This book is about all the battles that that Israel faced in order to claim that promise from God. And if you study the book of Joshua, you look through the book of Joshua, you will see that it is a book of welfare, of warfare. It is a book of suffering, but also it is a book of great victories. It is a book that teaches the modern Christian a lot about obtaining spiritual victory in our lives. 
I know that we sing songs about Canaan land, and often we have the idea that Canaan refers to heaven, but that's not true because when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more wars. There's not going to be any more enemies. There's not going to be any more suffering or lies or letdowns. There's no more giving up the right for the wrong, and there will be no more death, neither will there be any more said. But these are all issues that are present in the book of Joshua and what it pages hold. No, Canaan isn't heaven, but it is a picture of the life of victory that is available to every child of God who has been born again. Now, this evening, I almost want to start a series that would take us through the book of Joshua, but I I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. You know, a journey through Joshua, you know, and maybe just hit a few of the high high spots in the book. And if I do decide to do that series, the series would be entitled Claiming Your Canaan. And my goal in preaching this is to help us stop wandering around in the wilderness so we will know how to enter into our Canaan land of spiritual victory. Now, in this first chapter, this serves as somewhat uh, as an introduction to the book, and it informs us that Canaan land is our land. And as we open the dialogue, I want you to listen very carefully to what the Lord has to say to Joshua concerning the land of Canaan and about how he is to claim it. Because these verses will help us to understand what it takes to go from wandering around in a wilderness of defeat to living in in a land of victory. It will teach us what we need to know about how to be victorious and not be victims. It will teach us how we can be the head and not the tail. And because there are some truths given here that we need to understand this evening, and first we need to know that Canaan land is our land. So I want you to look in the first chapter of Joshua with me, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible tells us, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. For the wilderness, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man, now pay attention, start paying attention here in verse 5. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong 
and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide and for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be, be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper. That word prosper means have success whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth or it shall be constantly in thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then shalt shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thou God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let me title this sermon today, Claiming Your Canaan, This Land Is Your Land. Now as we look, In these first verses that we just read, these first nine verses, there is a call to claim the land. Joshua is reminded that the Lord has already given the land to Canaan to the children of Israel. Joshua is commanded to lead the people into Canaan to claim the land that they had been promised to them by the Lord. This this land was given to them. I mean, you have to go all the way back into the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, verse 7, and the promises that were made there were reaffirmed to every succeeding generation of the nation of Israel. The land was indeed their land. There was no need for them to... Uh, wander around in the wilderness anymore. They had a land and all they had to do was to claim it. Now, let me interject something here right quick. I look around on a daily basis and I see, see Christians who are defeated, who are struggle with sin, who are dealing with some kind of difficulty in their lives And for all intents and purposes, they are wandering around in a spiritual wilderness. And I need to tell somebody this evening that it does not have to be that way. God has a place of victorious living, which he promised to you and to me to live in. I believe sincerely with all my heart that God did not save us to see us be defeated. But most of the time we are defeated because we refuse to walk in victory. I I believe there is a place of conquest for every believer of God, for every child of God this evening that we can claim for our own. And these next few verses tell us what we need to remember as we set out to claim our Canaan. Now, I want you to look in verses five and six because you see in verse five, there is a call to have confidence in the Lord. And Joshua is reminded of some very precious promises 
in these verses. Notice what God promised him. Look in verse 5. God promised uh, him the, the, the promise of victory over all of his enemies, every enemy. Also in verse 5, there's the, pow- the promise of the presence of God and also the power of God. Also in verse 5, you see the promise of his faithfulness of God. Then you drop down to verse 6, there's the promise of absolute victory. Also in verse 6 is the promise of God to keep his promises. Now, what did Joshua have to do to make all of these things happen for him? What did he have to do? Just one thing, and that was to trust God. God was going to give Israel the victory, and Joshua was merely the instrument that God had chosen to use to do the job. And for Joshua to be a part of it, all he had to do was have faith in God. Now, let me remind you of something this evening. I want to remind you that the same promises God made to Joshua are in force for you and I this evening. You can still count on the Lord to do everything he promised Joshua he would do. And I want to give you a secret this evening. He still gives us victory over our enemies. He still is ever-present. He still has all power. He is still faithful. He still gives absolute victory. He still keeps his promises, which he made in Romans 4.21, where it says, in being fully persuaded that what he had promised, talking about what God had promised, he was able to perform. Well, pastor, you might be sitting there this evening thinking, well, what do we have to do to see these things come to pass in our lives? We just need to do one thing. The same thing that Joshua had to do, and that was trust God. We can learn to place all, when we learn that, that to place all of our faith in God at all times and every situation, then we will walk in victory in our lives. Even when everything else fails, even when everybody else has failed, even when the check is not in the mail, even when the system has let us down, when there's no hope in our forecast, when it seems like the devil has won, when it seems like all of our hope has been depleted, I'm here to tell you that faith will stand the test. We might let the Lord down, but he'll never let us down. We might turn our back on him, but he'll never turn his back on us. We might have time for everything under the shining sun, but God, but he always has time for us. Now, the next thing was that Joshua had to call to carry out the law. The Lord tells Joshua that if he is is going to lead the people of God to rest in Canaan, then he needs to take heed of the law. Remembering the law is a essential step to entering our Canaan. Look at what the Lord said to Joshua about the law and how it applies to our lives today. Look in verse 7. God tells him he was to keep the law. He was to do everything the law said to do, not turning from it the least little bit. In verse 8, it says that he was to meditate on the law day and night. 
His mind was to be occupied with the law. He was to love the law. He was to let the law fill his heart and fill his mind. And you see in verse 7 and 8, he was to prosper by honoring the law. God promised to Joshua was that if he lived his life around the law of God, God would prosper him in everything he did, and that would make him very successful. Now, there's a lesson for us right there this evening. Well, first, let me say this. I'd like to tell you that, that I thank the Lord that we are no longer under the law this evening, but I'm glad that we are under grace. Having said that, I would like to say that many in our day have concluded that since we're no longer under the law, that they are free to do anything they please. But I want to remind you, you can't do as you feel. And if you want to live victorious, we must develop a love for the word of God. Just as Joshua was commanded to honor the law, we are commanded to honor the book of God. In other words, we're to feed on his word. We need to live by his word. We need to be strengthened by his word. We are encouraged by his word. Joshua had a call to have courage in leadership. And in the midst of all these things that God calls Joshua, he calls him three times, God himself encourages Joshua to be strong and courageous. In other words, what God was saying was that Joshua needed to learn to stand firm, to be strong in the face of opposition. In other words, Joshua would would need courage to face the enemies of Israel and to lead the people to victory in the promised land. God's challenge to Joshua is for him to stand. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this. If we are going to make it through the trials and tribulation of this world, then you are going to need godly courage to face your enemies. God is looking for people that will stand in the face of opposition. Even though all around us, Christians are falling by the wayside, what we need is for God's children to be moved in the depths of their soul to stand to stand up, to renew their commitment to the Lord and say, by the help of God, I'll stand and not fall all the days of my life. We need people today who will take the lead in the churches and make their stance for the Lord. We need to remember the words of the Apostle Paul who told us in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight: we need, we need to stand. It is high time that the church stop letting itself be the doormat for the world and for the devil. And all I've got is one very simple little question for y'all this evening. Who is standing for the Lord this evening? Are you standing for the Lord or have you fallen out along the way? So next we see that there was a call from the Lord. There was uh, 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 in, in those previous verses that we looked at. Now, we're going to read some more, starting in verse 10, and we're going to see a challenge for Joshua. In verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, 
to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and he hath given you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, but ye shall pass before. That pass before means cross over ahead of your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. Now, after Joshua receives this challenge from the Lord, you notice without hesitation, he goes to the people and he tells them that the time has come to take the land. And you notice first he challenges the nations as a whole. And then he addresses a specific group within the nation of Israel. Joshua tells the people to get ready to go into Canaan and, and claim the land. They, you know, these were the words they had been living and waiting for for 40 years. However, before they could go in, they had to get ready. God told them that they needed to prepare them some food. You see, manna is what they had been eating. They were eat, uh, uh, all through their their desert wanderings. That's what they had been eating. But it was about to stop because God had told them that he would give them manna for a little while while they were in the desert, but that it would cease, that it would come to an end when they entered the promised land. You've got to understand that when you get to the king's table, that it's no longer manna time, folks, but it is steak and potato time because for 40 years, all they had was manna, boiled manna, broiled manna, deep fried manna, steamed manna, grilled manna, barbecued manna, manna soup, manna stew, manna gumbo, manna pot pie, manna in the morning, manna in the evening, and manna in the noontime. That's all they had. That manna was their desert diet, but now they were about to move up to something a whole lot better. They were going into a land flowing with milk and honey because what had worked for them in the wilderness would not be sufficient in the land of blessing. And I've got to tell somebody that the same applies to us today. You're thinking, well, what in the world preparing food got to do with us? But here's the point. Before you can enter your Canaan, we have to prepare for that land. The way we live must change. The things we feed on might need to change. The entire scope of our lives must be altered uh, to adjust to live in Canaan. In other words, I'm telling you this, you can't hold on to your Melvin stuff and go to Canaan. You can't keep your dual stuff and go to Canaan. You can't live off your loan stuff and live in Canaan. We keep 
can't keep living on yesterday's movement for Canaan. This is why so many can never enjoy the victorious life because they're still hanging on to yesteryear stuff. In other words, we might have some junk in the trunk that we need to get rid of. You know, and and that's the issue. Some people refuse to make the necessary changing to adjust to living in spiritual victory. The fact is, if you expect to walk into victory, you will have to learn to walk by an entirely new set of rules. And there will even be a time when you will have to walk away from some stuff. You might have to walk away from some people. You might have to walk away from some places, but that's just the way it is. Just like the people had to prepare to enter into Canaan, we have to do the same thing to enter our Canaan of victorious living. So now we see that Joshua addresses the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. You see, these tribes had got permission from Moses to remain east of the Jordan, just outside the promised land. Their reason in making this request is because they were dodging their responsibility. The land east of Jordan was a land that was good for raising cattle. But still, Joshua reminds them that they had promised to fight alongside their brethren until the land was conquered. These people are challenged to remember their promise and to aid the the nation until victory was secured. (coughs) Folks, I need you to see that there is a very powerful lesson in these verses. We have literally legions of Christians who are just like these two and a half tribes. They have forgot about the promise that that they made to the Lord when he gave them position and when he told them that they would have to fight and help, they turned their back on God and went the other way, saying things like, let somebody else fight the fight. It's not my fight. These are the people who have trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, but that is about as far as they are willing to go. They come to church when they want to. They tithe when they feel like they can afford it. They're only willing fight a, a battle every now and again, but most often they are seen just playing around the a- edges, refusing to put God first in their lives. And those people who live like this, they can say anything they want to, but I'm telling you they have other gods in their lives whom they have sold their souls out to instead of selling out to God. So let me say this, but if you really love God this evening, then then how about deciding to cross on over today? Make that decision to leave behind everything that is holding you back from serving God like you should. Now, we've looked at the call from the Lord, and then there was the challenge from Joshua. But then in verse 16, there was commitment from these two and a half tribes. Read with me. And they answered Joshua, saying, they, they, referring to the two and a half tribes, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. 
Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doeth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. So, we see in verse 16 that they commit themselves to a life of surrender. These people make their stance with the Lord. They promise to be absolutely obedient and surrender to the will of God. And somebody needs to know this evening that the only way spiritual victory will come to any life is that we must be totally and absolutely ready to surrender every area of our life to the will of God and to his divine leadership. Also, these men promised to follow the leadership of God's man. Just as they had followed Moses, they committed themselves to following Joshua. So finally, they commit themselves uh, to to a life of separation. The, the people commit themselves to separating themselves from those who were in their midst who refused to comply with the commandments of the Lord. And their separation was so strong that they vowed to put to death anyone who rebelled against the leadership of Joshua. These people knew that allowing any kind of rebellion whatsoever in the midst was a sure way to guarantee that they would be defeated. So if we want to walk in a life of victory, we must pack this separation in our lives as well. We should separate ourselves from anything that would prevent us from having victory in our lives. Otherwise, what's going to happen to us, we're always going to be defeated and we're always going to be in danger. So now I ask the question, what is holding you back this evening, and you need to let it go. That That's all there is to it. You simply need to let go of whatever is holding you back. I don't know about you, but I'm claiming my Canaan. Matter of fact, I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm taking back everything that he stole from me. Why? Because Canaan land is our land. It has been given to us by a heavenly father. And all we have to do this evening is to march in and to claim it for ourselves. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we've had to spend together in your word, hearing it proclaimed, Father. Father, I just ask that as we leave this place that you watch over us, that you care for us. I ask your blessing upon everyone that is here today, Father. I ask that you continue to protect us in this very challenging time. Father, I just lift up those that are not with us today. I ask that you be with everyone that we have on our prayer list. There's just a lot of people that are sick, that are ailing, that are hurting. And Father, I lift every need up to you, and I ask that you you provide for that need, Father. I ask that you continue to bless us with rain. Some people still desperately need rain more so than others, Father, but only you can provide it, and I ask that, that, that you send it. Father, just forgive us where we fail you. Just help us to praise and glorify your holy name and bring us back at the next appointed hour. In your son's name we pray.
Amen.